Welcome to episode number 30 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name is Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. I've got a great conversation today with Amanda Guarnieri of the Resume RX, and you probably know Amanda because you've seen her ads on Facebook and Instagram. Maybe you even purchased a template or you're a member of the MP Society. Maybe you listen to her podcast called the Nurse Becoming Podcast. Uh, maybe you found me through Amanda through being interviewed on the Nurse Becoming Podcast. Maybe you've seen her in Scrubs Magazine or Nurse.org or Indeed Career Guide. She's been featured in so many places for the work that she's done. And I wanted to take an opportunity to um, introduce her to you if you've, if you've not heard of her or know her. And I am so grateful that she came on and we had a wonderful conversation as we usually do when we get together. And of note, Amanda invited me into a group of other nurses who were uh, on Instagram and uh, gave me an opportunity to network. And I'm so grateful to her for that uh, because she opened my eyes to what was possible and to a group of nurses who you know, were using Instagram in a way that really served them in building businesses and kind of you know, beyond the bedside activities and endeavors. So, you know, Amanda, her work really is featured um, uh, and really dedicated, I think, to personal and professional development of uh, nurses. And I, I love seeing what she's done and, uh, and I'm grateful to her uh, as being someone who's a couple of years ahead of me in business. And so I'm always looking to her as kind of evidence of what's possible in the world if I keep going. And I hope that for you, you maybe have the same opportunity to notice that she's just like you and me and she had an idea and went to work to make it happen, which you and I can also do. So, um, so without further delay, uh, here's Amanda and I hope you enjoy this conversation and all of the pearls that she drops and, and some of the vulnerable moments. So, so without further delay, welcome Amanda. Amanda, I'm so glad that you're here. And I am so excited to have a conversation because it's been a minute since we've had a conversation and I, and I so enjoy um, talking with you and I enjoy knowing you and, um, and watching you grow as a business owner and as a human. And, um, and so I'm so glad to have a conversation with you today. So thank you for coming. Of course. The podcast. I for, just start first, tell people who you are a little bit about what you do and, um, cause they know you, <laughs> of course they know you, but take an opportunity, just tell for those who don't, you know, a little bit about yourself. Sure. So my name is Amanda Gornieri. I am a dual certified adult and women's health nurse practitioner. I graduated from the Yale school of nursing in 2011. So I'm about 11 years into this lovely APRN world. And I am also the founder of the resume RX, which is my business that helps nursing professionals find land and love their dream jobs, as well as under that umbrella of the Resume RX, I have a membership community called the NP Society, which I am very proud about. That is my group that really helps advanced practice nurses go further, have improved work-life balance, and just a, a membership that centers the professional as opposed to the profession, which we kind of see in all the other um, professional organizations that we can be a part of. So that is kind of who I am right now. I am a full-time business owner. I am not currently working clinically. That may change in the coming months, but um, yeah, it's been a couple of years now that this has been my full-time gig, which I'm really excited to talk about. Tell me, um, tell me about this opportunity. What are you, what are you thinking about? Well, 
truth be told, I need practice hours before I recertify in 2026. (laughs) So I am trying to figure out, you know, where those practice hours are going to come from. So I have a contact here in Connecticut where I live, actually a former educator of mine when I was in grad school who owns a private practice. And she's kind of informally invited me to come work with her one day per week, um, which I think I'm going to take her up on that offer because, you know, the tricky thing is now as a business owner with the privilege of not having to work clinically anymore, but still wanting to maintain my certifications, I'm trying to figure out where this balance is going to come from because as I'm sure you know, there aren't very many traditionally employed opportunities for us to necessarily just work one day a week or really, really part-time without also having to have a whole bunch of other obligations. So currently exploring what that will look like. And what uh, certification board is it for that you need to maintain practice hours? Is it ANP or what? Which it one? is. Yeah, it's ANP, and it's specifically my adult NP certification. And you know, usually you can either maintain through practice hours or you can retest. However, my adult NP certification has been retired. So several years ago, they reinvented that certification as AGNP, Adult Gerontology Nurse Practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have the old certification, so I can't even take my test again. Um, so practice hours is my only option. Got it. Okay. And what's the requirement for practice hours for research? It's not much. It's I think a thousand hours. Um, so a thousand hours in the next few years is something I think I can do working, you know, one to two days a month, ideally. How important is it to you to be in the clinical setting? It's been a struggle for me to figure that out. Um, Part of me feels like I need to somehow maintain kind of like a toe in the water to stay clinically relevant, to maintain some sort of credibility. Uh, But I also challenge that. I'm not sure how much of that is my belief versus the truth. So it's definitely this inner struggle that I've had for a while, even since I made the decision to you know, step away from clinical practice to pursue this business full-time. It was something I really grappled with and and had this internal struggle with. So I know it's definitely a me thing. (laughs) Uh, And like I said, I'm not sure how much of that is true, but it does maintain some importance to me um, at this point, though I'm not really sure for what reason. Like if it's because I'm concerned about what other people think of me versus is it something I really want? Mm-hmm. No, I think, and I, I don't think you're alone. I, and it's interesting. I mean, even if we compare the, you know, profession of medicine to ours, which I don't do very often to be mm-hmm. very honest, but I will for this, um, for this portion of the conversation, because I think if you compare, you know, physicians graduate with an MD, right. It's their professional, it's their, um, their degree. It is also their, um, a portion of their identity and what, in terms of their title. And I think for us, when we graduate with a master's of, uh, nursing, and then we are certified in licenses and PEs or advanced practice nurses in general, whatever kind of certification we have, it is a little bit different in terms of the identity. Um, and I think that there's a piece of identity that many of us hold, you know, to be a part of who we are, whether we're midwives or MPs or nurses in general, right? 
Um, so it is a little bit different and I don't think you're alone. I think it's a struggle. How long has it been since you were in clinical practice? So I was pregnant with my daughter who turned three yesterday. Um, so it's been more than three years. Good for you. And okay. Since then I've done a few things like this summer, I had a telehealth job working for summer camp, um, which, yeah, like I, I kind of saw some patients, but it was really overseeing the nurses and, and, and EMTs who were on site. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really count. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a hot minute. Uh, do you think, and how long were you in practice prior to, to, um, doing your business full-time? Uh, six years, six years. What do you, you know, in your, in terms of just living the good life? Cause I mean, that this is a conversation I love to have, which is like, you know, there's so many of us who, and I think you're a great example of it, right? You've created something for you that's meaningful for something that creates a lot of impact for other people, which I think is ma- meaningful to you. And so I just wonder, you know, was clinical practice a portion of living the good life for a while and then it wasn't, or was it that business, it's always been a portion of your version of the good life and building a business is too. And, and that outweighs then, you know, other adventures that you were doing, including clinical practice. What, what do you think? Yeah. I think that at the beginning of my clinical career, clinical practice absolutely was the good life for me. And, and really that kind of critical shift happened for me when I had kids and became a mom and my definition of the good life really changed. And I ended up harboring a lot of resentment for my clinical job, uh, because of what it took me away from. And, and my business was really born out of the fact that clinical practice as it as it was for me at that point was no longer the good life for me. And, you know, building this business was pretty much always an exit strategy for what clinical practice had evolved into for me. And I, I kind of feel bad saying that, uh, but it's, it's the honest truth. And so, you know, I definitely don't, um, you know, I don't have any regrets in terms of how that path laid out. It's just at this point, you know, I'm now trying to discover, okay, is there a version of clinical practice that is part of the good life for me? You know, um, because I do miss patients. I do miss the diagnostic process. You know, I worked in emergency medicine for years and there's just this part of your brain that gets exercised in emergency assessment that just doesn't happen many other places. And I miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that the good life includes me being anywhere near an emergency department anymore, to be, to be honest with you, because I never want to work a night shift again. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I think there could be a a version of me seeing patients that now, like I'm in this great privileged place where I now get to decide what I want that to look like, you know, cause I don't need to do it for the money anymore. So what is my ideal version of, of the good life when it comes to me seeing and taking care of patients. And so that's why it's kind of been a long, um, a long process for me to figure that out because yes, it's the logistics of, okay, where can I find a job that lets me work, you know, one six hour day per week, but also, you know, what really do I want to do? What type of impact do I want to make clinically? Who do I want to take care of? Where can my talents be best served, but also in a way that's really fulfilling to me because that's, that's, what's going to make it feel worth it. I think. 
as a side note over the weekend, I, you'll probably chuckle at this, but over the weekend, um, and I, I think it's been since mid 2019. So about three years for me too, since I've been out of the, uh, hustle and bustle of, um, you know, labor, birth and women's health in a clinical setting. But over the weekend, we went over to my sister-in-law's house and, um, we went to our uh, local Greek festival and then went over and had a cocktail uh, with them. And on, as we were leaving, uh, her neighbor called her and said one of her daughters had put a corn kernel up her nose. And, <laughs> and, you know, I just, I mean, and my, so my sister-in-law who's a nurse and has worked pediatric triage for, you know, many years and, and, uh, as a IBCLC and, and so she was talking with her on the phone and, you know, they were kind of just hashing up a plan of what to do and. So sure enough, and I was, you know, I'm sitting there just listening and I can feel myself like creeping in, just listening. Cause I'm like, what's going on? You know, like I want, <laughs> I want in on what, what is going on? You know, it's interesting. Right. And so I was, I was chuckling. So she got off the phone. We then went home to her house and she went over to the neighbor's and she came back. I said, what's going on? You know, I'm just like chomping in the bit wanting <laughs> to know, you know, and I'm thinking in my mind, you know, like, what would I do? And, and I had this moment of just thinking, I don't use that portion of my brain as much anymore. Mm. And I miss it. I miss, and, and I would agree with you in that I miss the portion of the critical decision-making in an, in an urgent triage fashion, like move quickly, be certain, go all in, like just create a hypothesis and, and move ahead. And I also, I also sometimes miss that, like needing to be like somebody calling and needing help in that way, you know, in an urgent way. And so I was just struggling. So we were just, we were talking through like, you know, when it would be problematic for a colonel. Cause then we were, I was like, I don't know. Can she's, she said, well, I looked up there. I couldn't really see it. And, and I, and she said, you know, she's not, and we, and we kind of just came to the conclusion. She's not in pain, like certainly call her pediatrician and, you know, do a formal crisis, like just do a formal, you know, phone call. But, yeah. but at the end of the day, like she's probably all right. And it will either come out or it will either probably like it will pass or, you know, if, if she's not in pain, it's probably not quite right now necessitating a trip to the ED. <laughs> so we were just, we were just joke. We were just kind of like chuckling about it, but I thought, I thought, boy, I miss that portion of just, you know, being needed in that way where yeah. somebody comes to you with, with the skill set that, you know, a lot of people don't have, right? Like a lot of people, like this poor gal, this neighbor, I'm sure was, you know, shitting her pants about the fact that, you know, one of her three children now is a colonel and she's like, <laughs> oh no, you know, do I need to go to Saturday night at eight o'clock? Do I need to go to emergency room? Um, and I, I just thought about that. And so I, I think, you know, you're not alone. I don't know necessarily what we do from here. I think it's I <laughs> normal. And I think, you know, uh, for the sake of just some, com- um, you know, to either commiserate or to have camaraderie, you're not alone in that, in that sense. Um, anyways. Okay. Wait, so hold on. Come, why not, why not start a private practice? So, um, so that's definitely, uh, on my radar and, and to be honest with you, my dream, I'm just going to like say it out loud is I want to have a small private practice, like a boutique aesthetics practice. I want to shoot neurotoxins in people's face (laughs) and, um, 
Uh, and I think that'd be really great. I would maybe like do home visits. I would have a small, like very small one man show office, um, in my community. I think, you know, the area where I live, it's definitely an untapped market. There's interest. I've always already kind of poked around and asked some of the other moms like, Hey, do you get Botox? Would you get Botox? You know? Um, so, so I think that's part of the plan. I, uh, my friend, former advisor, um, does that in her practice. So that would be part of where I could get my training is kind of working for her and then potentially spinning off and either adding or in place of doing my own thing once I'm appropriately trained. So, uh, I have, I have thought that through, um, but in terms of otherwise opening my own practice, that's, that's not that I, I kind of think that I wouldn't be, wouldn't want to be around enough to do justice to my patients, right? Because right now I only work three days a week as it is, um, on my business. And so, you know, where would the time come from? And is it fair that I would have a practice that only has one or two days a week available for appointments, depending on the nature of that practice, you know, if it was a primary care, um, practice. So that's kind of what has come up, at least for now, in terms of the barriers to exploring that a little bit further. I think, you know, once my three-year-old is in school, that may be a total game changer to what this whole good life looks like. Uh Uh, But for now, you know, I'm, I'm kind of living in a, what's the next two years look like increment until she goes to school. And I know I no longer, you know, have that very high daycare bill (laughs) monthly for just the three days a week. And then also, you know, have all three of my kids in, in school full-time. Yeah. I, I, uh, can't wait for you. I mean, I'm, I'm so (laughs) excited for you. Yes, of course. I, I think it's one of the most fantastic milestones. I'm, this is me personally, but I think it's a fantastic milestone to be, you know, to have an opportunity to see the, the kids go to school. Even one of my clients this morning for, uh, was like, did your children start school? And I said, yes, they did. I said last week, in fact, and, uh, and, and, and my client said, oh, you know, boy, that's early. And boy, you know, uh, oh, wow. And I was like, no, it's a really good thing. <laughs> a fantastic thing to go out and to walk out with a cup of coffee and to see them get on the bus to wave and to say, have a wonderful day, children, you know, uh, and I, it's a fantastic, I think, you know, moment um, for me. And I think it is for a lot of people. So, so two years until you have an additional eight, can you imagine eight hours to yourself? I, I, know. I, I can't, I mean, I've had a taste of it because she does go to school. She goes, she goes to daycare three days a week. So it's Tuesday. She, this is one of her daycare days. I dropped her off. Um, but my kids, my other kids haven't started school yet. So I'm in this in between they're off, you know, with instructions not to come into my office, but, um, but so last school year, I did have a taste of it three days a week where, you know, little one would be at daycare, big girls were in school though, almost every week there would be at least one day that would be disrupted because who's quarantined, who has a stuffy nose. And then it would like, just go through all of them. And then I would get sick. And then it was just this rotating, um, disruption, uh, wheel, but, um, I'm optimistic that it'll be better this year. (laughs) So wait, so wait a minute now, here's a question. So when it comes to, I know this is two years off and though, when it comes to, uh, all three children, because you have three, right? You have mm-hmm. uh, 
right? So all three children being in school and you have a business that operates where you work uh, in it three days a week. What will you do with the other two days? I, gosh, I'm not going to work. That's, that's what I, that's what I want to be the answer, right? I want to still be able to do what I'm doing in the same amount of time. I don't want to have the scope creep of workaholism because I could definitely go down that path. So I'm trying now to explore how to spend my extra time so that when that time comes, I have reliable things to fill it with, whether it's, you know, going out for a walk, going to the library, um, you know, doing projects around my house. I think that's definitely going to fill time. Like the projects that I want to do, decorating projects, home improvement things. Um, I have a few, I've put my hat in the ring for a couple, um, volunteer opportunities with the school district. Uh, I volunteer with our scout group. So, um, so yeah, I think there'll be plenty of things to do. And I just have to keep reminding myself that I can still achieve what I want to achieve with the work days I've established because otherwise, yeah, I think I could definitely have some work scope creep and, and squander, squander, the, squander that freedom away. Yeah. What if you could work? What if your current business model went down to two days a week? I would love that. And, and part of me has tried to figure out, okay, can I, can I make that happen? If only to anticipate that one day a week ends up getting shot by something anyway, like sick kids and such. So right now, this year upcoming, the school year upcoming Thursdays are being reserved for calling it like my CEO day. Mm -hmm. So no appointments, no like small tasks get put on my plate or my calendar for that day. And so it's supposed to be my day to think and dream and plan and do higher level strategy things, which is, which is still work, but it can kind of happen in a different way. You know, it could happen with me in the bathtub or on a walk, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be me in front of my computer. So we're going to, I'm going to try that out and see, see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Do you think then your version of the good life is a mix of, it sounds like mix of freedom to kind of do the things that you want, flexibility to do them, you know, based on the needs of your priority people. And what else? Those are really the two biggest things, freedom and flexibility. Um, I don't like having a lot of appointments on my calendar. My business is designed very intentionally where I don't work one-on-one with with anybody. So any of the appointments on my calendar are things that I really love doing or things essential to the business. So meetings with my team uh, or interviews, which you know, like we're doing now. I, I love interviewing. I love doing guest teaching, you know, giving some sort of free value to people. Um, that's really how I prefer to spend my face-to-face and scheduled time. So yeah, freedom and flexibility are really, you know, my core values personally and also in the business for sure. Do you think that those are a result of having been in a system like the ED where it's like, you're doing shift work. So it's a different, right. It's a different way to do healthcare when you're doing shift work. I mean, and I always loved shift work. I love the idea of being on and being off and having very clear boundaries between the two. Um, and you know, physically taking off a pager and turning it off, um, and, or physically handing the on-call phone to the, the oncoming midwife. And I wonder, do you think that that's always been there and you found that in the ED 
or in your work as an NP that it wasn't afforded to you in that way. And so therefore you created this, you know, circumstance where you created your own version of freedom and flexibility, or do you think that's something that you learned right from like, maybe it was there, but maybe not. And maybe you just learned it like, and so I'm curious. Yeah. So I think that, you know, part of the reason why I stayed working in the ED so long is because like you said, it did give me a version of freedom and flexibility and, and routine in an interesting way, you know, being on and being off, that was super important to me, especially after, you know, I had the twins and had young kids. That's when I went to straight nights because I, you know, the people who were straight nights got to choose their schedule. So rather than giving in your conflicts, you could actually choose and self-schedule yourself, uh, which was something that gave me at least the sense of a lot of control over my schedule and when I was working and when I wasn't. Um, so I think that, you know, my, my craving for freedom and flexibility, I think really goes farther back than that. You know, I was someone who was always kind of a teacher's pet, people pleaser, high achiever person growing up and always made choices based on what was expected of me. And even, you know, into well into my twenties, you know, whatever I chose to study in college was, um, a result of that. And, and really going to nursing and NP school was my first opportunity to test like, Oh, what if I did what I want to do? Um, and that, and I've been kind of making micro steps from that moment of, okay, well, what if I did it my way? What if I did it my way? What if I did it my way? Um, and so I think, you know, where I am right now is just the culmination of me making those kind of like small votes for myself when I spent so many years, um, not even considering what I wanted to do and just giving into whatever the expectation was, whether it was, you know, from my family or society or, or school. Where would you be if you weren't so intentional? Gosh, I, I mean, I'd probably, I don't know. If I hadn't gone to if I hadn't gone to nursing school, if I had stuck with my original career, I'd probably be a struggling musician because <laughs> I studied a, a violin in undergrad. Originally, I wanted to be a music teacher, um, and then ultimately didn't really enjoy the education part of the program so much. So I would probably be like teaching lessons or teaching music in school, um, and and struggling to find my way there because I was a decent violinist, but I was definitely not like an amazing violinist by any means. And really it's the amazing violinists who are able to create the life they want using their, their talent. And and unfortunately many others kind of struggle to make ends meet because it's not something that um, it's something that requires a lot of hustle, a lot of time and not a lot of reward. So that's probably where I would be if I hadn't made that first kind of intentional vote for myself and, um, decided to go to nursing school. What made you do it then? Go to nursing school. Yeah. So I kind of had this epiphany moment when I was in college studying abroad in Italy and, um, wait, where like- were you? Hold on back up. Where were you? <laughs> I studied abroad in Italy. Where did you study? Oh, I was in Ascoli Piceno, which was on the Adriatic coast. It was a small town. Nobody spoke English. Um, how did you find it? 
it, it was actually um, a program um, through my university. I went to university of Connecticut and they had, they combined with university of New Hampshire and together they had a UNH UConn in Italy program. That was like with this one person in this one um, facility. So it wasn't associated with the university. It was like a, it was a remote program that they, that they created. Okay. Mine was in Rome. I did it through Loyola University uh, Chicago and they had a Rome center campus. Awesome. Yeah. And it was fantastic. Okay. Wait a minute. So wait, okay. Back, back. So wait, <laughs> so wait a minute. I digress. So wait, so what happened now? Wait, you're. So I'm a junior in college studying abroad, having the time of my life uh-huh. um, and, and having my first taste of freedom, my first opportunity where I'm like living in an apartment, deciding what to do with my time because I didn't have however million credits stacked back to back through the whole day. Um, and and finally, like learning what it is to make a choice <laughs> and 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 what happened during that semester was all these, you know, existential, crisis type questions. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? What, what am I meant to be? Who am I meant to help? How am I meant to contribute? And, you know, the answers to those questions were not, you know, be a musician, be a music teacher, you know, be an Italian teacher. Cause I also was studying Italian. Like th- what I was currently doing was not the answer to any of those questions. Um, so then I started to ask myself, well, what it, what, you know, what are the answers to those questions? And I was like, well, I always wanted to do this. I always, I always loved, you know, um, medicine. I always would, you know, loved the idea of going into healthcare. Is that even possible for someone like me? Because my mom being an RN had always told me growing up, like, Amanda, you can do anything, but don't be a nurse. <laughs> she wanted, you know, she wanted more for me than what she had for herself. So what that turned into was this narrative of, you know, I, I can't do that. You know, that's not an option for me because it, oh, it's just not an option. Yeah. So, um, so when I kind of took that away and really had a blank slate of, of exploring what interested me, that was the answer. I knew that I wanted to be an advanced practice nurse because of a wonderful experience I had with a midwife when I started my GYN care in in high school. And so I started exploring kind of what it looked like to become an APRN. And what I stumbled upon were all these programs that were designed for people who already had bachelor's degrees in another field. So I stumbled upon, you know, the master's entry world of of advanced practice nursing and um, so I just kind of said, all right, well, I'm going to take a chance. I'm, I'm qualified because all I need for these programs is a couple prerequisites plus my bachelor's degree. So, um, I kind of drew a, a radius of where I was comfortable moving to and found five programs and, and applied to them and, and basically just said, okay, if this is, if this is meant to be, if, if this is meant to be the path that I go down, then they'll accept me. And if it's not, then it's not. When the vision is clear, makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think you have the same vision now for your business that you did at that time for nursing? You know, for my business, the interesting thing is that it's hard for me to see the the possibility. And and I think I think because, you know, back then 
I knew concretely like what an APRN looked like, right? I knew what this end goal was. And so there was this clear path of where I was now to that destination. But the like amazing thing about having a business is that there's not necessarily a destination. You kind of create it as you go, right? Like I never thought that where I am right now, if you had asked me three years ago, I wouldn't have said, you know, this is my destination. I didn't even necessarily know what was possible. So it's, it's like, I have a vision, but, but it's not as clear or concrete and it's really ever evolving and more of a, um, I don't know, more of a, more of a feeling, I guess, and, and kind of different types of goals than, you know, the very clear cut, um, you know, archetype of this one, this one person or this one role. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting to think which is better in a sense, right? And I know better is a judgment of it, but, you know, I think there's there's a struggle for a lot of, I mean, I know I see it with my clients and and that I've gone through too, uh, which is just what you said. It's a very clear path. It's very concrete. It's, um, it's easy to understand. It's easier to tell your, it's easier to tell your parents about and your family about. It's easy to, um, you know, to visualize what it could be oh, I would see patients in the office for two days a week. And then I may be on call one day a week or whatever. And I think for business, it's a, you know, like you were talking about before, like you could be the person who works three days a week, all of a sudden five days a week become available because you send all three children to school and then Parkinson's law takes over where you now in the span of, you know, what you used to do in 30 hours, you're like, well, hell, why not? I mean, it's right. just hours, you know, just it's scope creep. And so, so I, I think it's interesting. And I think for those of us who go out and create something that's not concrete, your business, I think is a good example. Although maybe we should just clear that up. Do you, you know, three years ago, would you, could you have predicted or would you have known you could, you would be here today? Like it, it, with this business, the way it looks with your staff with kind of the processes in place? I think that I think that I I knew that this was some semblance of what I was working towards. And before I really made that decision to step away from clinical practice and, and make this my primary thing, like I knew uh, under the surface that it was possible. I, I remember telling myself, gosh, if I only had more time to work on my business, I know that this could really grow. And, and frankly, before the pandemic, it was something that I wanted to do that I was afraid to do you know, leave my job in order to focus on this full time. And, and, you know, some circumstances surrounding the pandemic gave me the out and gave me the opportunity, uh, which I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, having something to help support that, that decision. But yeah, I knew bubbling under the surface that the potential was there that I, you know, just needed the, the time to be able to focus on it. And, um, and yeah, there were some concrete goals that I was, working towards in terms of what the business looked like and, you know, what, you know, what the offerings were, what the sales looked like, what the community looked like, you know, the goals that I had for, you know, a, a team. Um, but even still, it it still feels like, you know, a, a possibility that I, I didn't necessarily like hold in my hand and completely know was available to me. Yeah. And I, I think that's so true. I mean, it's not, it's just a very, when you become invested in your ability to be creative and to create things that don't necessarily exist, at least for you. Right. Uh, I think it, you know, it's, it's hard to, 
it's not hard to envision it. Um, but I think that vision goes through, you know, morphs and it changes and it, it, you know, molds as it needs to and grows just as we grow as business owners. And so I, I think it's always interesting because it's a, it's a very abstract concept. Um, I think for a lot of people, a lot of advanced practice nurses who in particular want to go out and do something different and they have an idea or they have something that's brewing, bubbling up, but they're just not, you know, they're either whatever's it's, you know, like you were talking about, it's perfectionism, it's people pleasing, it's that's not for me. And, you know, I'm not business, that kind of thing. And it just comes up and it gets in the way. And it's easier. I think when we have this very concrete thing, like, oh, I could work three days a week, which by the way, is a phenomenal service to humankind to be an advanced practice nurse in general, right? Like that in and of itself. And if you were the person where you feel it within, where you feel like, oh, I have something I'm destined or I'm supposed to be giving the world in a different way. doesn't involve seeing 25 patients a day and it doesn't involve, you know, shift work. Um, And then I think creating that vision where it just doesn't necessarily exist for a lot of people. It's not that concrete, you know, vision is just, I see a lot of people get tripped up on that. Um, You know, and sometimes even with setting goals and stuff, like putting a stake in the ground to say like, well, I want to create a business and it's going to be, I'm going to work three days a week. You know, it's one of the first steps I do with clients. How many days a week do you want to work? How much money do you want to generate in revenue? Um, and you know, what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? Like what, what are we, what, how much, how much do you want to, you know, build in terms of a business, in terms of your expenses? Do you want to keep a lean? Do you want to go for a brick and mortar? You know, like all of that stuff, because I think it gives us more, of the concrete so that we can feel a little Definitely. bit more, you know, comfortable and like, Oh, this is possible. Oh yeah. If I create the vision, then I can create the steps to essentially get there. Yeah, it's a, for sure. But it's, it's a process. I think, I don't know that that's a, it, that's a learned skill to be able to, you know, mix in a little bit of courage, a little bit of fear and a little bit of, you know, creativity and to say, well, and, and self-advocacy to say like, I got this. Like, I'm going to like, yeah, no, I don't know all the stops. I don't know what it will look like in three years. I have a, an idea and I'm just going to go out and make it happen and something good will come of it. I mean, that's like a pretty like gutsy type of a move, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. Okay. So where then, so do you feel like you are right now? Is this your version of living the good life or we're getting there or we're, you know, on the way? Or where do you think you are? I think, I think we're definitely getting there. And, and to be clear, like right now I'm, I'm living the version of the good life that I wanted, you know, three years ago. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to acknowledge that and important to, you know, show, okay, this, this evolves. Um, and you know, three years ago it was a side hustle. Um, I wasn't paying myself. Um, and you know, now I'm, you know, on, on payroll for my own business for a monthly salary. And then, you know, I can take more money from the business if I want to, like, that's, that's incredible. And I want to uh, make sure that I take a moment to acknowledge that. Uh, I think, you know, now I'm at the point where, um, you know, I want to tighten some things up with the business so that I'm not as involved in certain things that I'm currently involved in. So that's kind of my, been my main focus recently is, okay, how can I um, delegate? How can I make sure that my team is um, cohesive and supporting me and also, you know, 
having their versions of, of their good life, um, working for me, that's really important to me. Um, I, you know, am hopeful by the end of the year to be able to give myself a raise. Um, so we're, we're definitely, we're definitely getting there. And I I think that right now, like my, it, it all kind of comes back to what I want for, you know, my overall life, right. What my overall life goals are, which, you know, is to do more, traveling to take more vacations with my husband, to take more family vacations, you know, plan for retirement in our future. And, you know, a lot of that, um, you know, a lot of the reasons why I want to like give myself a raise, for example, or somehow have more income coming in is to support those overall, um, those overall goals. So, you know, part of this comes back to, um, finances, which I think is a big, um, a big, thing that provides the freedom part of things. Right. Um, so I think that's, you know, the, the, the money is what provides the freedom and the way I've structured and created my business and my working life is what gives me my flexibility, which kind of goes back to those two, um, core, two of the core values that we spoke about. So you want to get resourced. Yeah. To delegate. Yeah. Good Mm -hmm. for you. Moving into your queen role, your CEO role in your company. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I I like to think that I don't have a hard time delegating. There are certain things that I've held on to that I don't have to. Um, And the truth is there are plenty of things that I do that other people can do better than me. And I don't have a hard time admitting that at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it's just, I I also want to make sure that like I'm needed, right? So how much of this is my own, you know, holding on to things because, what does it mean if they don't need yeah. me to do it anymore? Like, what <laughs> am I still, am I still wanted? Am I still serving a purpose? So I think, you know, part of that is me, uh, bottlenecking and, uh, overcomplicating things mm-hmm. so that, um, <laughs> so that I can be, you know, so I can be needed. Oh my God. I just had a conversation yesterday with Joey and we were poor Joey. She sometimes listens to me and I complicate the hell out of it. Just laugh <laughs> about it. So I sent her a Slack last night uh, or yesterday evening. And I was like, I had a really strong cup of coffee. I'm pretty sure. And I was like, I may actually need to go get my TSH check. Cause I may be a little bit hyperthyroid. <laughs> I was like, and thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening and giving me the space. I think she was, you know, uh, but that's just, it's just kind of sometimes how it goes, um, you know, um, all right. So, so you're getting there. Good for you. Um, okay. What, if you had to share kind of some of the things you've learned along the way in terms of becoming, I mean, you, and I think you pointed out a lot of things, right. Making small, making small changes, making intentional choices, asking yourself, right. Rather than deferring to some external source that is more powerful than you or more knowing than you, you know, coming back to an internal place of, well, what do I want and what sounds interesting and what feels like it's a good fit for me? Um, what else, is there anything else you think that, you know, that could be useful to somebody else who's thinking about starting a business or thinking about life beyond clinical practice? Yeah, I think, you know, those things that you said, definitely. And, you know, it's like we were talking about, it's hard to cast the final vision, um, of what things will look like, but in order to kind of get going and keep going, I think creating those milestone goals are, are really important. So, 
you know, when I think back to what my goals were when I first started compared to what they are now, like there's been so many milestones in between. So I think it's both important to create those milestones for yourself. Like, yes, have the end in mind, but also make each point achievable so that when you go through each milestone, you take the time to celebrate and acknowledge it because otherwise it'll just be really, really um, easy to just plow right through. Uh, And then what happens is you don't end up celebrating yourself along the way and you don't end up taking the time to say, you know, like I just did a few minutes ago, hey, this life right now is my dream life from, you know, three, five, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think that when we don't take the time to do that, then um, we do the journey a a disservice because I don't think that there's an arrival point. I'm not sure that there will be a point where I'm like, okay, um, you know, this is it. I'm, I'm done. I've achieved. Um, and, and it feels, it, it feels complete. Cause I think it's really a, a living, a living breathing thing in terms of your goals. And I think the brain is so negatively biased that it wouldn't like, it doesn't give a fuck if like, you know, you, you have self, you know, you had like the most stupendous of goals met, it will always defer to, you know, finding some sort of, uh, something negative, that's out there. And so that practice is that intentional practice of celebrating and creating some of those new, new neural pathways and just, and the reinforcement. And, um, it's so important because otherwise, you know, I think if we leave our brains to their own devices, you know, we would just, you know, we might just all day sit under the covers and, you know, have Netflix and a glass of red (laughs) wine and, you know, and bonbons and it, that would be it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. All right. Good. So celebrate a long way. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing um, some stories. Thank you for letting me ask questions. Thank you for being vulnerable and um, just talking about, you know, some of the decisions that you've made and some of the feelings that have come with it. I think that'll be so supportive. I know there's someone, at least one, if not many, many more who will listen and say, oh, wow, there's a piece of me there and they will relate. So thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. If people would like to reach out to you, if they want information on the NP Society, if they want information on Resume RX, how do they find you? So you can go to my website, theresumerx.com. You can also find me on Instagram at theresumerx. I am currently on a social media break, but by the time this airs, I'll probably be back around. So you can direct message me there um, or through my website, you can find my email address and shoot me an email. Okay. And how hard was the, how hard was the, um, were the DTs like when you took Instagram and Facebook off of your phone? Like, was it real life shaking? Cause I'm pretty sure those dopamine hits are so strong (laughs) that removing them is going to cause some level of withdrawal for many of us. For sure. Like there is, there's definitely like physiological withdrawal that happens and also like psychomotor, um, like opening your phone and just having your thumb go for something that's no longer there just by default is very funny to watch. Um, but really if, if you are someone who has, um, a borderline unhealthy relationship with social media, take a break longer than a week. It it's beautiful on the other side. I'm trying to figure out, you know, how I will go back and, and what that will look like because, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really wonderful to not be beholden to, um, 
a little square on your phone. Mm-hmm. Have you read um, uh, Dopamine Nation, by the yes. way? Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Dopamine Nation and Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Excellent read if you're considering, um, you know, a, a technology detox. Mm, good. Thank you. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Well, thank you for your time today and thank you for sharing. And uh, we will, um, we'll have another conversation, I'm sure, in a, another couple of years. And, yeah, and we'll look forward to it <laughs> and see how you're doing. So, all right. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Bye bye. When you're ready to build a business like Amanda, come on and join us over at Women Who Cultivate the premier group coaching program for advanced practice nurses who want to create their version of the good life. More at www.anconcleycnm.com.